This is Tonkabon episode 44. This week we're going to go over our new series that we're going to cover every Thursday. And uh, joining me as usual is my co-host Jude Knoll. Jude, how's it going? Uh, going pretty good. I'm actually, I, I guess I'll let you be the one to reveal what it is, <laughs> but I am pretty excited about this one. It's one that we've both actually read in the past, mm-hmm. or at least both been pretty acquainted with. Yeah. So that'll be a bit of a change of pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our new series we're going to do is uh, Death Note by uh, Sugumi Oba and Takashi Obata. Um, yeah, and I'm really excited for this one too. I've both read and watched this one, and I think this is a it's a, a shorter series than we've done the past couple times. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of dig back into this one because I feel like Death Note is a pretty re-readable, re-watchable series. Yeah, and this one's pretty plot driven mm-hmm. as well. I think that was like when you're 250 chapters into a gag manga, <laughs> you really start to like all, all the chapters start to blend together. You start to lose your frame of reference for like what's going on or what makes the series good mm-hmm. anymore. At least like you got something, you know, different to discuss each week and I don't really remember all of the plot twists and like major, you know, turning mm-hmm. points. So I, I think it'll still, you know, kind of be not shocking, but I'll, I'll still be like on my toes a little bit while I'm reading it again. It, it's been yeah. a while. And well, so you haven't read it, right? You just watched the anime? Okay. Yeah, I think I read the first volume, mm-hmm. uh, but I watched it back, I think. I guess it's still on Netflix yeah. now, but I think like around the time I first got Netflix was when I watched it. Okay. So yeah, w- it's probably a good like six years mm-hmm. ago. I will say like the I think the anime and the manga are pretty like pretty one for one. I don't think the anime does like anything crazy different. That at least not that I can remember. Yeah, but just like uh, Obata's like art style and stuff. I think it just it works a lot better in manga. We were talking sort of before the show that I'm like going through all the volume covers and stuff, and I forget how like goth death note is supposed to be yeah and i think we've sort of been talking about this the past few episodes Mm -hmm. but i think anime in general over the past two decades has really grown to adapt unique art styles more closely Mm -hmm. um or like super detailed art because i think around this time death note was coming out You know, you can, like, the character designs are similar, but I don't think it's equipped to be able to translate the level of detail and, like, weird, twisty, like, Tim Burton-esque aesthetics that you actually see in the manga itself. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think for Death Note in particular, the black and white just works a lot better because that's... I don't know, it just fits this sort of dark tone that they, you know, try to portray. Yeah. Whereas the anime is obviously, it's a lot more colorful and stuff. And not that it doesn't work. I mean, you know, the anime is pretty, pretty great for Death Note too. But I feel like the, you know, the black and white just, uh, it just fits a little bit better too. Sort of like how Chainsaw Man is yeah, also, I could honestly. See that. Yeah. They're, they're definitely like series that I think play off of the black and white, like, color scheme Mm -hmm. pretty well and i think that's like the mark of a good manga is like realizing that you know most people are going to be reading it in black and white and putting a lot of contrast into the work and i think something that like uses a lot of black or white in the characters and backgrounds is gonna work really well when you're actually reading it week by Mm -hmm. week and obata does that particularly well like you know not even just with death note but bakuman 
and uh, Shoha Shoten are both really good with that as well. Like, the artist is really, it's really legible, yeah. which you can't really say for every single series, unfortunately. Yeah, I hate to continually rag on a currently running Shonen Jump <laughs> series on their off week, but I think that's what sets something like, oh, it's one of the many things that sets something like Death Note apart from PPP, PPP, yes. or Yozaku mm-hmm. Family, and it's that each of those series are like, the, the characters themselves are personified through color a lot, which like, would make perfect sense if this were a series that were running in color. Yeah. But you're only going to see those colors when the series actually has a color page or when it comes out in a physical mm-hmm. volume. And I feel like it, you're you're already presuming that your series is going to last long enough <laughs> to the point where it's going to receive those sort of yep. things. Well, and Yoza fans were running for like three-ish years now or something, and I still forget that Tayo has yeah. red hair every single time. It catches me off guard anytime he's, you know, like he's on this group cover or something from last week. I forget it all the time. Exactly. Um, I'll, I'll mention why I'm looking at this in a second, but, you know, I'm looking at this gallery of weekly Shonen Jump covers, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing successful series, and each of their characters is sort of, like, playing off of this, like, darkness and light color scheme. Like, Gon and Kiloa are in a picture mm-hmm. together. Gon, obviously he's green, but... He's like a very dark green. He has dark eyes, dark hair, and then Kiloa has like the shocking white Warhol-esque hair mm-hmm. style. And then you've got Gintama right next to it, and the protagonist has like shocking white hair, and one of his sidekicks has dark hair. And it's, you know, playing off those contrasts is something you don't really think about when you're reading a manga, but when something's in black and white... It does make a lot of difference. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll get into some of the, uh, you know, kind of background on Death Note, I guess. And then we'll, uh, I guess, briefly talk about sort of our own histories with the with the series. So Death Note ran in Weekly Shonen Jump from December of 2003 to May uh, 2006. And uh, you had mentioned that, you know, it debuted the week before Gintama came out, which is kind of interesting. Those two series back to back. That's a, a pretty stark difference, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, so I sort of mentioned it a second ago, but I found this site that's like, I don't know how long this has been online, I guess. It says this was edited in 2021, Mm -hmm. so I guess it's newer, but it's something like comicvine.gamestop.com, but they have like a list of every weekly Shonen Jump cover Mm -hmm. with the table of contents included with it, which, you know for us is pretty interesting because we're out here covering the current table of contents and like digging into each issue but yeah i really wanted to see what the you know original debut death note issue looked like beyond the cover page Mm -hmm. but first i'm starting with the cover page because it's absolutely sick (laughs) there's this like cool double portrait where like light yagami's head is on top and then i guess it's supposed to be ryuk but he doesn't really look like ryuk at all he's got this like almost werewolf like appearance yeah it's a little bit different at the bottom of the page mm-hmm. and then there's this weird like watercolor looking stain that's over top of the whole image it's really unusual for shonen jump but mm-hmm. you know it, it personifies death note really well yeah yeah it's, it's got this like reflection thing almost um but yeah it's a pretty 
a pretty unique uh, Weekly Shonen Jump cover. Like, you know, most of the time there's a new series, it's just like, you know, well, you can see with the Gintama one, it's just like the three main characters just sort of there on the page. This one is a little more artistic than usual. Yeah, and like if I saw this on the newsstand, I would definitely be interested. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the table of contents, like, man, this was a really good era for Jump. You've got One Piece chapter 300. <laughs> That's like the lead story right after Death Note, mm -hmm. which it's crazy to think like at that time, One Piece was still not like in its infancy, but it's in its formative years. This is when <laughs> this is like still a third, not even that of the way through the series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, 301 is not that far after like the Alabasta arc, which thinking about yeah. it now, Alabasta is like the first kind of true arc of one piece so it yeah it's still uh still a fledgling series yeah there are there are a lot of series at this point that are like not quite near the end but are like really deep into it as well mm -hmm. like prince of tennis is at 204 naruto's at 195 shaman king is at 251 i always forget shaman king was like such a big deal yeah Yu-Gi-Oh's at 331. Mm -hmm. Hunter Hunter is at 203. <laughs> like things are we're kind of like right in the middle or like, you know, sort of a third of the way through of a lot of iconic series. Yeah. And then stuff like Ice Shield 21's at 67. I think it ended up like 300-ish chapters, so it's it's starting to, you know, starting to pick up steam for it. Black Cat's still running. We've got yeah. a, a Yabuki appearance. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, this is like a really stable period for Jump. Mm -hmm. I, I recognize almost all of these series. Yeah. And, you know, there are like one or two that still haven't reached their 19th chapter. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, I, I haven't heard of either of those. Well, but everything else is like somewhat familiar to me. Yeah. And we also didn't mention the two, uh, I guess, two of the comedy series, Bo 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 I don't know how popular it is, but it ran on Toonami for like a year or two. Like I, I had heard of that one before yeah. ever like really getting into manga. And then Kochikame is a chapter 1338, <laughs> which is insane. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, but besides Light and Ryuk, he's like one of the only characters that actually appears on this cover mm -hmm. and he's at the bottom right. Yep. He's like making this like Hulk... <laughs> flexing <laughs> type pose and his shirts ripping mm -hmm. yeah this is yeah the, but the yeah, magazine I is kind of stacked yeah. <laughs> yeah for real like he could honestly you know he could possibly stand up to goku on a good day with prep time mm -hmm. absolutely and i wonder just like looking at the table of contents there's so many of these series that are like pretty just relevant now I wonder if in whatever, yeah. 20 years, if you look back at the table contents now and it's like, oh, wow, Mashal was in there and Undead Unluck was in there and Yozofan was in there. I suspect probably not. Like, as much as I love yeah. Mashal, I just, I don't think it has, I don't know, kind of the cultural relevancy that something like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh would, which is in the bottom half of the magazine here. Yeah. And I'm going to like... <laughs> This is going to be kind of like a weird thesis here, but I'm kind of thinking about it. Like currently, I think overall anime and manga are more like accepted and a bigger part of Western pop culture. Mm -hmm. But at this time, even though it was like manga and anime were breaking into the mainstream, they're not quite as established as they are now. Yeah. 
but I think Weekly Shonen Jump, th- th- there wasn't as much access to anime and manga, so Weekly Shonen Jump was probably one of the like few things that people were aware of. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as like TV cha- broadcasters and publishers were looking to pick up series, they were probably like willing to pick up any of these because that's all that they were aware of yeah yeah that's true i mean yeah, we- that audiences might be looking for mm-hmm. yeah like weekly shonen jump was you know in a magazine format over here at walmart and stuff right like i would go to walmart and, like pick up yeah. the magazine like flip through it or you know like like i said my dad got me the one for my birthday it had the blue eyes ultimate dragon thing in it and i would just you know i'd read it front to back over and over and over again yeah, and maybe you'd have something that would break through from like Weekly Shonen magazine, like Fairy Tale. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Fairy Tale was more of an interest to audiences because it was like so similar to One Piece yeah. that it was considered like just an alt version of One Piece. Mm-hmm. And I think there was like a common misconception that Hiro Mashima was like Oda's student, but I think that was only like a sort of urban legend yeah. just because fairy tale was so inspired by one piece mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like a direct rip <laughs> and i guess that was a little bit later too so mm-hmm. maybe you know publishers and broadcasters had already exhausted this stacked lineup of really good series so they're just like you know what what else well is kind of in this vein the interesting thing with him is he had that series rave master which i actually remember watching that was one of the ones that kind of got brought yeah, over to tsunami or you know whatever so i like i actually remember watching rave master and it wasn't until you know fairly recently once i got sort of more into manga and anime i was like oh that's the that's the fairy tale guy I had no idea yeah, that's true. I always forget that Rave Master was like a big deal because it did run run for like five or six years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time I go to half price books, I see at least yes. one or two like mm-hmm. used copies of Rave Master with a little like snowman guy on the cover. Yep, yeah, Rave Master's always there in between all the uh the random like rom com and isekai ones that have been sold to half price books. Yes. <laughs> Um, but further into it, so like I mentioned, Death Note is by uh, Sugumi Oba and Takashi Obata. Um, the series sold like 30 million copies, which is, I mean, it's a lot. Like if you go to sort of the Wikipedia page for like, you know, uh, best-selling manga, 30 million copies is like a, it's a category. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, just good sales in general, but it has so few volumes. It's only 12 volumes. So it has like similar sales per volume as series like Sailor Moon, Rurouni Kenshin, Detective Conan, and Crayon Shinchan, which I think is like a pretty interesting way to look at it, I guess, in terms of popularity, right? Because it's only 12 volumes. So it's not going to, it can't possibly sell the numbers that, you know, whatever Naruto does. I mean, it was never as popular as Naruto, but Naruto had 70 volumes, you know? Yeah, it also looks like it has a similar, you know, similar sales figures to The Promised Neverland, which is kind of like a more mm-hmm. recent analog. I think The Promised Neverland, it had 20 volumes, so I think it's slightly, it, it sold 41 million copies, okay. so it's probably slightly fewer yeah. copies per volume, but in terms of something that came out recently, that's about as, like, similar as you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that that makes sense. I mean, I feel like they're too... They're pretty comparable series, I guess, in in sort of tone and and scope. Yeah, they're really dark mysteries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so Oba and Obata, they've sort of been working together for a while now. They're basically 
kind of joined at the hip at this point, I would say. I guess uh, Obata has his own series with yeah. another guy now. But um, together, the two, they so they did Death Note, which I mentioned ran from 03 to 06. And then they had Bakuman a few years later from 2008 to 2012. And then they just recently had Platinum End, which ran from 2015 to 2021 in Jump Square. Um Oba alone hasn't done a whole, whole lot. He's done some like one shots with other artists, but he mostly just kind of works with Obata. Whereas Obata separately has done quite a few things. He's his first like real uh, series with success was actually Hikaru no Go, which he did with Yumi Hota uh, from 98 to 03, which that's interesting too. He basically did Hikaru no Go and then immediately turned around and started up Death Note. Yeah, that's insane. Mm-hmm. He's also done uh, a short manga, All You Need Is Kill, which I think is an adaptation from a light novel, um, which... Yeah, and then it became like an American movie, I think. I was reading Mm -hmm. somewhere. Yep. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, he did that in 2014 in Weekly Young Jump. He had a short-lived series, School Judgment, with uh, Nobuaki Inoki from 2014 to 2015, which ran in Weekly Shonen Jump, and then I think it kind of wrapped up in Jump Plus. Uh, and now he currently has Shoha Shoten with Akinari Asakura, which started in 2021. It's still going on in Jump Square. And then he's also had... And it's fire. Yeah, yeah. Shoha Shoten is great. And he's also had about a zillion other one-shots and kind of short-lived series. Because he, um, he was started out in kind of the, like the late 80s, early 90s. And I think I have sort of later on down here, like his first real series, I think he had like a one shot in 85 or something that might have, you know, won an award. But the first like real series he had was one called Cyborg G-Chan G, which ran in Shonen Jump for four, <laughs> vo- uh, the equivalent of four volumes in 1989. So he's been, he's been out here for a while working. And something I'll, I'm sort of like, I'll talk about it a little bit later, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've always heard Obata's name you know, mentioned alongside Death Note. Mm-hmm. And I was a lot more familiar with him than Oba. Yeah. But it's interesting because it seems like he doesn't really have a ton of, like, creative control or input on these series. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, he fleshes things out and he has, like, a particular art style. Yeah. But from what I've seen, his workflow tends to be, like, Every, somebody else just come up with these ideas and I'll draw them mm-hmm. in my own style. Yep. But that's kind of why every all his series, like outside of the stuff he's done with Oba, are kind of all over the place in terms of their tone. Mm-hmm. Like Shoha Shoten is just like super goofy and lighthearted. I read a little bit of School Judgment, which was kind of trash, <laughs> but it has like it's about like younger kids and it has more of like a chibi art style Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't really recognize it as obata's unless you like really thought about it Mm. yeah i guess hikaru no go looks pretty similar to death note but it seems like a lot of his stuff outside of the stuff he does with oba is like really all over the place stylistically yeah i was gonna say his uh he's got some got some range like bakuman and death note both look it's weird. They look very similar in some places, but Bakuman is way goofier and cartoony looking than uh, Death Note yeah. does a lot of the time. I, I, I can see that. And like even Shoha Shoten, it's another one of those things where like if somebody tells you it's Obata and you look at it, you're like, oh, I see mm-hmm. that. Like they're similar like close ups and facial expressions and like weird sort of like spindly poses yeah. occasionally. But you kind of have to have somebody tell you that it's him for you to pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. 
Um, and so I'll go into some uh, notes on Oba because Oba is these are actually pretty two interesting uh, like mangaka to to look into. So Oba is just a yeah. it's just a pen name. We don't really know who uh, you know who he or she is because um, their identity is still a secret. But it's been kind of widely speculated that Oba is uh, a mangaka named Hiroshi Gamo. This is the mangaka from Totemo Lucky Man, which ran in Shonen Jump from ninety three to ninety seven, um, and it's because the there's a few things that sort of lead to this because the there's an uncle character in Bakuman which sort of starts off the series that has a series that looks basically just like you know it, like if you had to make a uh, a non-licensed version of Lucky Man that's what that series would be yeah. in Bakuman and you know the <laughs> the sort of story for that that manga or that uncle character is that you know he had this kind of moderately successful manga but like never really kind of you know, made it was like, you know, a huge success, which I think is, I could be wrong, but that's kind of the vibe that I get from Lucky Man. Like, it's one that I've seen before, but I don't, you know, I don't really know anything about it other than it's like this goofy alien looking superhero guy. Yeah. Um, And then the only reason I was aware of it mm-hmm. was because I, I, I feel like I bring this up like every three episodes, but he did appear in the J Stars PS3 okay. game as like a playable character. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I I was only aware of him because he was a character in a fighting game. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is in the Bakuman volumes, it shows sort of uh, Oba's drafts that he's put in there, and they like the art style in that looks very similar to the Totemo Lucky Man art style. Like you know you could. Mm. It's pretty one for one, honestly. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's a definite, but I do think there are some there are some signs that point that way. And I wouldn't be totally shocked if at some point, you know, we find out that that's the truth. Yeah. And then you've got some other notes that you sort of uh, dredged up if you want to if you want to mention those, Jude. Yeah. Oba himself hasn't done a ton of interviews, but he did do one like pretty early on in weekly shonen jump magazine that was translated by fans Mm -hmm. and he had also i think done one on viz's website um but i thought it was interesting that oba and obata despite the fact that they've been working together for such a long time they actually don't really ever meet face to face Hmm. oba just sends the storyboards to obata and obata turns them into completed art and they're not there's not really a lot of like communication between the two yeah he kind of they just trust each other to do a good job on their respective parts of it Mm -hmm. so it's really just like a remote collaboration but they they make it work because they have a lot of their styles have a lot of chemistry yeah definitely and and uh oba sort of interestingly this sort of may feed into the lucky man conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. but he says his biggest influences early on were uh, Super Sentai, which is unknown here as Power Rangers, uh, Doraemon, and Osamatsu-kun, which is, uh, it's not as popular as the other two in the States, but that's the one about, like, I think the little boy that has, like, a bunch of twins or clones of himself. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, you'd recognize it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if you haven't heard of it, like, you'd recognize it if you saw it. But all three of those are, like, goofy, cartoony, gag- like filled 
superpower series Mm -hmm. that look similar to lucky man maybe not super sentai but definitely the other two yeah for sure and i will say they bakuman like some of the kind of story beats and like you know the hero kind of development in bakuman definitely feels like it plays off of stuff like you know power rangers or even you know like goofy children series kind of like doraemon a little bit more than you know, if they was if he was like I was influenced by Fist of the North Star or something, you know. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at the Super Sentai manga now, mm-hmm. and actually, yeah, it kind of does look like Lucky Man. <laughs> it, it's a lot more like rounded and cartoony than I would have expected. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I guess because we're only all really three of those series kind of look similar. Yeah, well, I was gonna say we're only really familiar with you know Super Sentai from live action Power Rangers. So yeah. Yeah, until I was reading this, I didn't even realize it was a manga before it was like a mm-hmm. TV show. Yeah, I had so no idea. That's sick. Um, he says that his favorite part about being a mangaka is being able to smoke while he works. <laughs> and he said that one of his personal underlying theses in Death Note is that dead people cannot be resurrected and that there is nothing after death. Interesting. So, pretty bleak yeah (laughs) i mean you know i gotta say respect to this guy for uh you know being best part about being a manga because being able to smoke while he works which it's interesting too because he actually can probably do that but obata probably can't i'd say it's probably hard to you know be out there like really drawing uh with a cigarette in the other hand (laughs) that's true (laughs) and yeah obata like he's he's a pretty like I've seen pictures of him. He he looks pretty like I wouldn't say looks sickly, but the dude the dude looks tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, he looks pretty overworked. I was going to say and he's also like a lot older than you sort of expect too because, you know, he's he's been yeah. out here grinding since 1985, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and then one other note, apparently uh Oba develops manga plots while holding his knees like on his chair, like how, you know, how death or um L does in Death Note. If you've ever, you know, seen the anime, read the manga, his kind of signature, uh, that's signature stance, which is kind of hilarious. I've read a few interviews. I, I think, I think I was reading about this in that one, like how to draw manga mm. volume that came out recently, mm-hmm. uh, like the official Shonen Jump one that Viz put out. And I've read that multiple artists like actually make the facial expression of the character that they're trying to draw like while they're drawing it and then they'll like maybe look into a mirror or something oh that's funny so maybe he's like he's putting himself into l's headspace by like mimicking his body language well i think too there is a there's a character in Bakuman, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure sort of the the main kind of antagonist in Bakuman um, also does a thing where he like sits in his chair uh, with his you know with his knees up. Um, so I think it's you know mm. that's kind of his his self insert, I guess, his little Easter egg. <laughs> in that same interview, it also says here that he collects teacups, which I don't think L like does that, but it seems like something L would do. Absolutely, he's like yeah. If they if they made a side story and obsessive, yeah. If there was like a you know a side story gag manga about l that would definitely be a chapter yeah and isn't i i forget isn't l supposed to be he's japanese or is he british or something because i remember yeah i don't there's something that we'll we'll figure this out when we read Mm -hmm. it i guess but i couldn't remember 
if L was like canonically Japanese or if he was like of some other nationality. Yeah, I don't know he specifically well, because he is um like that organization or whatever, like the the kind of orphanage or whatever it is that he comes from. I think that is like located in Britain. But I don't know if, you know, I don't know if he necessarily is British or if he was, you know, Japanese and dropped off that orphanage, however that works. Well, yeah, like you said, we'll figure it out, but yeah, I don't, re- I don't recall exactly. I, yeah, I was flipping through the uh, debut chapter just to, like, jog my memory, mm-hmm. and I noticed L said something about, like, the Interpol, and I know, you know, L's probably not super into post-punk revival music, <laughs> so... I'm assuming he's referring to, like, the British intelligence organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not just bumping, turn on the bright lights. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he would, though. I mean, that would be kind of in character for him. Yeah, I I don't know if that came out after uh, Death Note or before. I think it may have actually been after that chapter came out. Yeah, well, I will say Interpol's a pretty, that's a pretty Death Note kind of band, too, I feel like, you know, kind of post-punk, gothish. Yeah, that's a... That's a very Death Note uh, feeling band. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then to move on to some notes about Obata. Uh, so Obata has sort of famously mentored uh, a lot of great uh, mangaka, um, some of which have also gone on to mentor mentor like other great artists. So the kind of the biggest one is Nobuhiro Watsuki, which you know we'll uh, you know mention I guess briefly about Watsuki's uh, sort of checkered past um, and of <laughs> Rurouni Kenshin fame, but Watsuki also in turn went on to mentor uh, Ichiro Oda from One Piece and then Hiroyuki Take from Shaman King. So just that sort of lineage alone is pretty pretty cool to think about. Um, this sort of yeah. you know mangaka family tree, also all of them in uh, Weekly Shonen Jump, which is funny too. Um, yeah, that's crazy. He also mentored uh, Kentaro Yabuki, a uh, Tonkaban favorite of Black Cat, Two Love Rue, <laughs> Darling in the Franks, and Ayakashi Triangle fame, which I'll mention briefly too. Apparently, the Ayakashi Triangle uh, anime debuted last week. I haven't got a chance to watch it, but I'm oh yeah, I'm very excited to to check it out. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize he because I know the Darling in the Franks manga was like an adaptation of the anime, yeah. but I didn't realize he was the one that worked on that. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep, which I've not seen it, but from what I understand about that anime, uh, he seems kind of like the ideal candidate to do the manga so that that makes sense yeah <laughs> and then finally he also uh mentored yusuke murata of ice shield 21 and one punch man fame which it's interesting because murata has sort of turned into his own version of o- of obata where he just kind of yeah. you know gets the story and just makes great art for it um which is it's kind of cool yeah, and One Punch Man stylistically is is so similar to Death Note. Mm-hmm. Although I think arguably, in my opinion, Murata has like surpassed Obata in terms of yeah. just like pure visual style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, one Punch Man has its flaws, but like, man, it, it's one of the best looking manga of all time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like so good. And then Obata was apparently mentored by a manga named Makoto Niwano whose most notable series is one called Bomber Girl. I had not seen anything else, and I had actually not heard of Bomber Girl, but it's a pretty interesting series to look at. You just, you know, throw that one in your Google Images. It's uh, a... <laughs> yeah. Man, it's very strange. <laughs> but... I, I think I prefer Bomber Man, but... Oh, yeah. And, the, I mean, the Bomber Man art style is pretty sick, too, to be honest. 
Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this says it came out in 1994. So I wonder if that was like before or after Bomberman came out. Oh. Maybe around the same time. Um, yeah. It says the series is about Emmy Rashomon, a bounty hunter who uses her sex appeal to defeat enemies. Awesome. The series ran for like a few months. <laughs> So it, we're, it's safe to say that Obata greatly surpassed this guy. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and then, yeah, you had a couple other uh, notes about Obata as well. Yeah, he also uh, considers Fuji Fujiko or Fujio Fujiko, the creator of Doraemon, a major influence. I feel like that's something you see all the time. Mm -hmm. Every like major manga artist when asks says that Doraemon was like their biggest influence yeah which makes sense i think it's which is interesting yeah it's yeah you know i don't know if it's like a direct one to one but i think Doraemon is kind of like you know almost like mickey mouse or something like that that's just like ingrained in kind of you know uh like children's media at this point for for japan yeah and i think also kind of like similarly Whenever I read uh, interviews with comics artists that I really like, mm -hmm. like people that aren't drawing superhero comics, but just like other types, they almost always say that their biggest influence is Peanuts. And okay. I would say Doraemon is probably like yeah. pretty similar to that too. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that's a better comparison. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's basically the, yeah, the, the Peanuts of Japan. Yeah, I, I, I do always think about that one tweet about Doraemon whenever I hear about it where somebody's like, if you talk shit about Doraemon in Japan, like people will like beat you up or like the Yakuza will come after you. Like that's how beloved Doraemon is there. That's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, an interesting like morbid quote to uh, sort of match Oba's is uh, the corpse is a motif that is worth drawing. I can draw human beings as things. Since things don't move, I can draw them properly. And there is a sense of being able to depict an instance of natural law, which is a very Death Note quote, yep. something L or Light would say. So I'm just imagining Obata's uh, studio. He just has like cadavers in the corner to, to help like model his characters. <laughs> And uh, I, he also judged a like Copic marker uh, art competition mm. and said that he like continues to draw things completely by hand because he feels like he can do it faster mm -hmm. than using like uh, an iPad or like digital. I think medium. that's pretty uh, pretty normal for a lot of these sort of veteran mangaka. Like I know that Oda, yeah, Oda does most of it by hand or like does kind of the the first draft and then maybe kind of goes back over it digitally um but i'm sure for these people like even if it would technically be faster to switch to digital it's like are you really going to take the time to do that when you know this has been working for 40 years yeah exactly um but yeah so that's the all the kind of notes that we have on them and i yeah i think these are pretty interesting uh mangaka in general um you know like uh who else do we do matsui is pretty standard you know he's just a a guy who had some you know successful series and same with um uh what's his name shinohara as well yeah but these two obata especially it seems like kind of had to you know he had to, to grind for his success 
Definitely. Yeah, it seems like, uh, especially Shinohara, he just kind of like accidentally became extremely successful. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't really ever fail at it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, do we want to go into sort of our own histories with uh, Death Note? Where did you first, uh, you know, kind of find out about or start, start watching it? Yeah, so it was one of the first uh, anime series that I really, like, intentionally watched. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as a kid, you know, I watched different series like Pokemon and Hamtaro and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but, you know, just just because it was on Cartoon Network. But uh, in my freshman year of college, I watched uh, Sword Art Online and Naruto with uh, my friend Kyle and sort of got back into anime in that way and i think death note was one of the ones that i like first watched on my own just like hanging out at home Mm -hmm. because it was on netflix at that time yeah as were the other two series that i mentioned and i think out of those three i enjoyed death note uh the most by far and i think holds up the best Mm -hmm. today oh i mean it definitely as someone that has watched a whole 20 minutes of sword art online definitely holds up better than that series (laughs) Yeah, I unfortunately watched a whole season of Sword Art Online and thought it was pretty sick since it was like Mm -hmm. the only anime series I had watched in like 10 years. But um, yeah, I would I would for sure rewatch Death Note any day. (laughs) Naruto, I, I, I think I would only watch like, you know, a few episodes here and there. I don't think I could really ever go back and watch that yeah it's too it's too long for a rewatch episodes again yeah Mm -hmm. yeah death note is really the perfect length for a series in my opinion well it's a great it's a great entry level anime i feel like you know uh apart because it was sort of the the same deal for myself it was kind of my you know my re-entry into like anime um because it's only it's only the two seasons and like whatever 50-ish total episodes i think um yeah so you're not like super committed and it's there's not like i mean it's obviously it's got like shinigami and like weird stuff like that but there's nothing there's no like crazy you know fan servicey stuff like it's a it's pretty digestible yeah and i think what makes it so cool too is that at that time compared to things airing in the west it was, you know, incredibly different from everything else because at that point, most people had only seen like classic Shonen Jump battle series, mm-hmm. which all kind of have like a similar art style. Yeah. Maybe they had seen like I had like Pokemon and Hamtaro, which are just like kind of like cute, like kids gag series, mm-hmm. but I think we take for granted now how cool it was that there was a series that was just like unabashedly gothic mm-hmm. and kind of cringy, but <laughs> at the at the same time, like nothing looks quite like it, even though things now mm-hmm. have explicitly like tried to replicate that style. Yeah. Um I I think it had like it had a direct influence on Hot Topic and mm-hmm. emo <laughs> subculture or like scene culture that has never quite been replicated. Yep. Oh, I mean, I went to a I went to a hardcore show yesterday, and there were multiple girls dressed like Misa Misa. Basically, <laughs> there it. Uh, you know, there's definitely some 
I don't know what influenced what, but yeah, it's uh, you know, the kind of the the look of Death Note lives on. Yeah, it's like Death Note, uh, Kingdom Hearts, and like Elven Live like or whatever the, that that anime was. Yeah, like the the holy holy trinity of like just Edge. Yep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I mentioned, similarly, my intro to Death Note, uh, it was basically my kind of reintroduction to anime and stuff. Because, you know, as a kid, I'd watch Dragon Ball and Zatch Bell and, you know, One Piece, all that stuff. And then in college, my my roommate, my junior year, for some reason, he was just kind of like, do you want to start watching anime? And I was like, yeah, why not? And Death Note was one that I had seen on like, you know... Uh, was like one of those top 10 YouTube, like, you know, top 10 best anime for beginners kind of thing, like a watch mojo <laughs> yeah. video. Um, and yeah. I didn't want to watch it because I thought the, the name sounded really stupid and corny. It's kind of like Monster Hunter. Yeah. It's like that name doesn't really sell uh, the series. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty trash. It, it is better than all you, it's better than all you need is kill. Yeah, that's, a, that's like the <laughs> bottom of the barrel in terms of just awful names. Yep. <laughs> but So I didn't really want to watch it, but we started it and was pretty immediately hooked, but we sort of fell off of it and then... But we watched like five or six episodes, and then at some point, I was like, well, I guess I'll finish it up. And I watched, I think, like the last, literally like maybe 30 episodes all at once, laying in my bed in my dorm room, like not moving. <laughs> and I got up at, to like go eat dinner because, uh, you know, the NKU dinner schedule on the weekends is pretty, pretty trash. Like if you if you miss it, you're oh, not eating. True. So I got up and like my whole body ached because I hadn't, hadn't moved from that position <laughs> in like literally 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one that um if there's ever someone that's sort of like you know what anime should i watch to to get started death note and hunter hunter are kind of the the 1a and 1b i would say and um, yeah when i moved into with my roommates we got an apartment uh, my senior year we for some reason it was kind of the same deal it was like i want to start watching anime and it was like okay well i guess we'll start with death note and i think death note is actually pretty good in that setting because there were like six of us that lived in that house and it's a, a pretty good like event series where you can watch it and you know everyone's sort of like shouting at the tv or like you know stuff like that almost the same way that you could watch like scream or saw or something like that yeah so i think it's funny that like so many people's intro obviously because at this time this was like all most people had access to mm -hmm. but a lot of the anime that served as people's entry point I would not recommend as an entry point today. Like, I could never... As somebody that, like, kind of started off watching Naruto, I don't think I would ever recommend Naruto as, like, a first yeah, series no. for somebody. No, it's such a haul. And it's so it's so weird. Like, I could recommend Death Note to my dad, and I think he could... Even if he yeah. didn't like it, he would get it, right? Right. And, yeah, it, it's such, like, an easy show to binge or just, like you know watch casually mm -hmm. there are tons of twists but you don't have to like take notes or keep consulting a wiki page to remember like what powers a certain character has or like who they actually are mm -hmm. you know you can you, it, you can follow it and you don't need to know much about like japanese culture or any specific subculture to like get it yeah exactly mm -hmm. and then i i ended up reading it 
maybe a couple years ago, it was like, you know, I had I got caught up with One Piece and then got caught up with My Hero, and I was like, okay, I need something something shorter to read, and Death Note is pretty perfect for that. It's, a, you know, 108 chapters or something, and ended yeah. up uh, rereading it, and I, yeah, st- still enjoyed it then, um, and I have to say, too, I... There's all the kind of the one shots that are collected on the Weekly Shonen Jump app. A lot of those are pretty fun as well. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. The ones that Obata did, or oh yeah, the one I forget there were uh, Death Note one shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't checked those out yet because mm-hmm. there's the one with Donald Trump in it. Yes. I forgot about that. Yep, that one's that was pretty awesome. I love the the main character design of that one. Yeah, I need to I need to peep that. I totally forgot that even existed. Mm-hmm. I know that there's like a ton of sort of side media too. There's like a light novel about L mm-hmm. that I've seen at like Barnes and Noble that yep. I've always been a little curious about. Mm-hmm. And they have some pretty cool like alternate editions of just the regular manga series in like either color or like cool. Yeah, like well, there's that one, larger books. Yeah, I was gonna say there's that one that I see that I I, I want to get and I just haven't kind of pulled the trigger yet. That's all of it in one. It's I think it's like the all in one black edition or something like that, which yeah, is pretty crazy. That looks nuts. Yeah, twelve volumes of manga, just one giant book. It's like reading Infinite Jest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I this is totally um off topic kind of, but. I'm like constantly thinking about what an infinite jest manga series <laughs> would be like. I, I actually feel like even though it's one of those like um like like white noise by Delilio or something like a an unadaptable book, mm-hmm. but I low-key kind of feel like it would make a good manga or anime series if somebody it. were to do that for some reason. Because mm-hmm. it's like it's like Prince of Tennis kind of. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a tennis academy. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, that would actually be honestly, if there is sort of a way to adapt uh you know, uh one of his novels, I think it might be like anime or manga or something like that. I don't think it would I don't think it would hit right with uh, you know, human actors. Yeah, because a lot of the characters are like either like horribly disfigured or like described in a way that like doesn't really make any sense Mm -hmm. you would kind of have to animate or draw it yeah man we need to we need to get on that need to pitch the the infinite jest anime to you know to studio trigger or something yeah exactly you would just be like on on my anime list tags would be like sign in sports romance comedy (laughs) you got everything yep (laughs) That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I think that kind of does it for most of our uh, Death Note stuff. We'll start this series up. Uh, so next week will be the first first Death Note one. We're going to do it the same way we did um, Sket Dance, which is two volumes at a time. I think that I think that worked a little bit better than the, the three for Assassination Classroom. Three volumes uh, gets to be gets to be a lot of reading uh during the week yes along with all the other weekly shonen jump and you know other stuff we're we're checking out too (laughs) for sure and uh have you checked out anything cool over the past week so i finished up uh jojo's part four and you know i was raving about it last week it's still it's awesome i gave it a 10 out of 10 that jojo's part four is phenomenal it's so good yeah, that's so. That's what I yeah. I knocked that out in the middle of last week, and then I started up part five. And part five is pretty good. It's not not as good as part four so far, but I 
you know, I like the the character designs. I like some of the characters. It's just, you know, part four was just so good that it feels uh, a little bit of a letdown going to it. But it definitely, I'm, I still kind of see, I see the appeal to JoJo's now, like I mentioned. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> for me, if you were listening to my pitch for a Infinite Jest uh, <laughs> manga series, and you've heard any of my recommendations in the past, you know I have like... Uh, you ha- I have a type of ideal series, and I binged one this current week, this past week, called Takoku, mm. which is a table tennis series <laughs> tagged as comedy, romance, and sports on my <laughs> anime list. Uh, this one ran monthly from March 2009 to January 2011 in Shonen Sunday Super, mm-hmm. and... Uh, here, here's the synopsis. Uh, Marunouchi Gaku has come back to Japan after being away for 10 years. He reunites with his childhood sweetheart. However, before they can date, Gaku must defeat Kako in a game of Takoku. The problem is, though, Takako is the number one Takoku player in Japan, and she doesn't know how to go easy. Uh, kind of a poorly written synopsis in my anime list, but mm-hmm. basically, um, there's this law in Japan that says to date someone you have to beat them in a game of table tennis and this law was instated because the prime minister like wanted to be able to beat china in olympic (laughs) table tennis and so (laughs) this guy who's like traveled to 190 countries returns to japan and is trying to like date his this girl that he has like a mutual crush on yeah but she's so good at table tennis that she like literally can't lose at it and can't stop her body from like beating him even though she's trying to lose so they spend like 44 chapters trying to like train him to become the best table tennis player in the world and then there's like an alien invasion <laughs> that becomes involved near the end a lot of crazy twists i was going to say talk about and the, the studio trigger not, anime yeah. this is exactly did you takoku yeah, it's like pretty short, but long enough for them to adapt. I think this one would it, it's it's kind of old at this point, mm-hmm. but this would have been a good adaptation if they really went for it. Yeah. The art is kind of the weak point, honestly, but it has a sort of uh amateurish charm to it. I was going to say I really enjoyed it. I gave it 8 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, I love the uh like the character designs for it. But yeah, I'm looking at like yeah, some panels. The art is definitely a little a little rough, but yeah, I really like these uh these character designs yeah it it does feel a little because it came out in the late 2000s it honestly feels kind of ahead of its time it's Mm. a little like it it, the style of it looks kind of modern Mm -hmm. but there's a kind of it's its own thing it's very like chibi and fun yeah and there's a lot of cool creatures too that you'll meet along the way it looks it looks kind of nisekoi-ish but that's true yeah but it's a little goofier like the you know every sort of page that i'm clicking on randomly there's someone has some kind of like yeah like chibi reaction shot or something like that this this may be uh 
sort of the opposite of promo for the series but it actually kind of reminds me of protect me shugomaru <laughs> at times when it comes to the art style I, I was trying to think of what it reminded me of and it's actually it's actually that that's hilarious <laughs> it's actually an, an axed manga <laughs> but yeah this one's really fun and if you really like set your mind to it you can read it in like two or three days Mm -hmm. it's pretty it's pretty short and fast-paced but if you like sports anime or manga and you like comedy like it does both pretty well Hmm. you said it was a it was like a monthly one so it ran for three or four years then oh yeah 2009 2011 yeah this was a a legit series (laughs) Yeah, when I was reading like the scans of it, there was something that was like the the wildly popular volume one gets a reprint. Oh, so interesting. I, I guess it did like all right. Mm-hmm. I it may just have been one of those ones that didn't really like have much international appeal yeah. because I had never heard of it. I was just like doing what I had mentioned doing earlier and going on manga decks and clicking random numbers mm-hmm. and just like trying something. Yeah. This was one of those things that actually stuck. That's funny. Yeah, this series looks pretty cool. I I need to need to check that out. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um all right, well, uh before we head out, do you have any other quick recommendations to make or uh sticking with uh, Takaku? Um, I, I did see that there's like a Junji Ito series coming out on Netflix this mm. Thursday. And I know, I think the previous one didn't get the best reviews. Yeah. But I watched the trailer and the animation and design of it looked pretty cool. Mm. And the theme song for the previous Junji Ito series and this one are both done by a math rock emo band Giocho hmm. who put out one of my favorite releases of last year. I actually interviewed Daijiro, the guitarist for Tone Glow newsletter. Oh, that's and, awesome. And uh, he's pretty cool too. Um definitely a cool band to check out if you enjoy uh so like this town needs guns okay. or American football. Mm-hmm. And I actually think they're signed They recently signed to an American label. Let me see if I can find out what it is. I think it might be like Run for Cover or something. Um, I don't remember which one it was. I think it might be Run for Cover. I was going to say, I feel like I recall that actually. Yeah. I'm I'm, going to say that and Mm -hmm. risk. I think it actually is Run for Cover. Yeah. I was going to say, it's definitely like them or Top Shelf or, you know, one of those pretty interchangeable uh yeah you know, post-hardcore emo record labels yeah oh it actually is top shelf you're oh, okay. right <laughs> that's funny it was one of those two mm-hmm. um well my recommendation i'm gonna go uh non-manga or anime but i guess sort of tangentially related uh i was in cincinnati yesterday and saw some of my some of those old uh roommates that i watched death note with for the first time in a few years yesterday um and we went and ate at uh zundo ramen uh which is oh that place is fire yeah that place is awesome so there's one in cincinnati and that's obviously the one that we ate at and then one actually just recently opened up in um lexington the same place so oh wow yeah that's my recommendation i guess if you're in either of our two areas to to peep uh zundo ramen it was pretty it was pretty sick and pretty cheap i got like a huge bowl of uh tonkotsu ramen for like 14 bucks Nice. Yeah, I feel like Cincinnati has a lot of 
cool Japanese restaurants in general. Mm-hmm. We were pretty lucky. Yeah, and uh, our area actually ends up with like pretty decent ones too because the Toyota plant is in Georgetown. So you know, a lot of, like there's ones that I know that like when kind of these Japanese businessmen come in for Toyota, they have like their their spot that they mm, hit that up makes sense. for like you know actual like good Japanese food. And uh, one more shout out to uh, Kentucky-based rapper. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, the NBA, I guess like the NBA 2K soundtrack is currently like an evolving thing. Like I guess they just like add different songs to it uh, week by week or something like that. Oh, weird. But yeah, I I didn't realize this was a thing because I guess I don't really like play... 2k like that anymore uh-huh. but uh, there is a northern kentucky based rapper e the prophet that just got a song on the nba 2k soundtrack and he's from my hometown of erlanger ellesmere that's awesome so pretty pretty surreal that you know he he's on the way up i guess and he mentioned a bunch of like Kentucky locations mm-hmm. on the song too. There's like a shout out to Blue or, or uh, Lexington, Louisville. So we've also got Jack Harlow representing the state and um, a couple other people. So Kentucky is becoming a sort of hotbed for rap music now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The bluegrass state is uh, next man up. <laughs> Yep. I always think about like uh that one T Grizzly first day out single yep. references Lexington. Yep. <laughs> and I every time I like drive through Lexington, I see that like castle jewelry store and I'm like, that's the jewelry store T Grizzly got arrested at. <laughs> <laughs> That's, they should put like a one of those historical plaques. They should put things. like a plaque outside. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Here's the spot he was handcuffed. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, yeah, that'll do it for us this week. Um, next week we'll actually have more Shonen Jump stuff. They're done with their uh, their kind of biweekly uh, breaks, I think. Um, yeah. So we should be. We should be good on Weekly Show and Jump until I think Golden Week is in like, what, like May or June, July, something like that. So I think that'll probably be the next like Sounds Weekly right. Show and Jump break. So we'll have have that back and then we'll have our, our Death Note stuff starting on uh, on next Thursday will be that first episode. So yeah, excited to get back to a, a more kind of normal Tonkoban schedule. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening and uh, hit us with the uh, you know the five stars where wherever you can give us five stars and yeah we'll see you uh, see you next week.